Welcome in Slump Busters. You probably thought it was the fantasy football offseason, but that is not quite true. If you really want to win your league, you got to be thinking about fantasy football all times a year. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports, joined, of course, by Drew Hagenbaugh. Drew, my first question to you. Are there more gloves in the world or are there more shoes? Dude, (laughs) we just talked about this not too long ago and actually my bowling league about the doors and the wheels type of situation. And I'm tired of these things. Dude, these things hurt my head. (laughs) Sorry, you got to answer it for the people. More gloves or more shoes? I got to go with shoes. Shoes? Really? Drew, you disappoint me. How many thousand count disposable boxes of shoes do you see? Huh? You know, not a lot. And those glove boxes do have the same count in them too. Especially consider the time we're in, COVID, germs, keeping everyone's hands (laughs) nice and clean. Hospitals are just going through these plastic gloves. The only true answer is clearly gloves. But if you disagree, let us know in the comments. If you're watching this on YouTube, drop below gloves or shoes. We want to know your answers. If you're listening along on Apple iTunes, drop that in a five-star review for us. All right, guys, it's time to get into the random Fantasy Sports Fact of the Week. Wow, did you know that? Now live on the Slump Buster Podcast, Random Sports Fact of the Week. We all know Devontae Adams is damn good at football, but how good is Devontae? In half-point PPR scoring since 2016, Adams has not finished outside the top 10 fantasy wide receivers on a points-per-game basis. In 2016, Devontae Adams was wide receiver 9, 2017, wide receiver 6, 2018, wide receiver 1, 2019, wide receiver 6, and 2020, wide receiver 1. Oh, don't forget 2021, where he was also the wide receiver three. You can play the slots in Nevada, but Adams may be the best bet on the Vegas Strip. The Slump Buster Podcast. The Slump Buster Podcast. The first quarter starts now. We advise you to wait on this position, but we're talking about it first. Yes, Drew and I begin by talking quarterbacks. This offseason has to be one of the most insane for quarterback movement. Some of the notable offseason moves include Big Ben retiring, Tom Brady retiring, then saying psych and unretiring, and Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. Russell Wilson is a Bronco. Wentz is in Washington. Deshaun is in Cleveland. And Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo are an absolute quarterback limbo. Drew, obviously, I got to ask you, as a Cleveland Browns fan, what was your instant reaction to Deshaun going to Cleveland? It was all mixed emotions. You know, I've talked about this with a bunch of people, especially personal family and friends, and people who have dealt with some kind of situation that is going with Deshaun Watson. I mean, not like Deshaun Watson personally, but the women who are in the position, because I know a couple of people who had something like this happen to them. You know, the fan in me is just screaming. He's like, yeah, we got Deshaun Watson. We got a top 10 quarterback in the league. We're going to be good again. And then the real me is just like, oh, man, we got a guy with 22 civil lawsuits on sexual misconduct. And this is not a guy on one of my team. It's very mixed emotions. But I think Mike Florio said it best from Pro Football Talk. He said this could turn out the same way as it did with Ben Roethlisberger, Kobe Bryant. All these guys where, you know, in those same years that they or had those alleged sexual assault cases on them, those same years, those guys went to championship games. And next thing you know, after a couple of years, they just forgot about it. And everyone just kind of brushed it off to the side. And especially for the Steelers, you know, it was, it was all jokes like, Haha, Big Bang, you know, this and that. And now with Kobe, everyone just forgot with all the rings he's won. He said it's going to most likely become that, especially if Deshaun has a lot of success in Cleveland, where it's just kind of going to brush off to the side and nobody's going to care. But there's a lot of Browns fans who are very upset. And actually, I know a lot of people, especially just looking on Twitter, who have renounced their fanship with the team and just said, I'm not supporting this team anymore. Does it matter that these are civil lawsuits and not criminal? Because the grand jury decided not pursue criminal charges against him. I mean, I still think no matter what, you still have to face these, you know, civil lawsuits one-on-one now. It's tough to tell if all 22 win or line because uh, and actually an Ohio lawyer sent out a tweet discussing everything. And, you know, he's, he also mentioned it's, it's very peculiar that all this happened as soon as Deshaun said he wanted out of Houston. All this stuff came out the next day or within that same week, the next couple of days afterwards. And he's like, it's weird how all these girls' lawyer, they have the same lawyer and they live right next to the GM of the Houston Texans. And, you know, he doesn't necessarily think it's a plant. 
that Houston had because obviously Houston had to deal with the racism of the GM of the old GM before he passed away. And Deshaun was a part of that team. Should clarify, yes. not the GM, the owner. The owner, that's right, the owner, that's right, that's right, that's right. And even that is supposed racism, not actually, like, confirmed racism. Right. So, dealt with that in Houston, and that's part of the reason why he wanted out to begin with, is because he probably didn't want to be in that kind of situation. And for me personally, I think he should handle these civil lawsuits before the season begins, or at least try to, because I would rather him be clear, and I know he's going to get suspended regardless. That's probably going to be 100% confirmed, because we did sign Jacoby Brissett, just in case, to back him up I, I wouldn't doubt that he's gonna get a big suspension like big ben did and a few of, of these other guys but you're asking him settle these lawsuits but he believes he's innocent in the matter right for me the justice system is innocence until proven guilty that's the justice system we abide by and we don't know if he's innocent or not. You know, obviously the grand jury said there was not enough evidence to pursue this further. You know, there's, but he's still got to handle these all personally now. It's something that should be handled. And, you know, I hope he's innocent. There's people who've been put away for stuff like this and they were completely innocent. It's, you know, becoming a big thing. And it's hard to tell if 22 women are all, at least all 22 women are lying, at least. Well, the question I think too, morally, I guess, is if one of them is telling the truth, does it not matter that it's 22 as a whole? Right. That one is just enough. Either way, that's not why we're here to talk about with Deshaun. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to sound distasteful, but we are here to talk about the fantasy football ramifications. And you brought up the possibility that he may be suspended. Now, hedging on the side that he's not suspended, let's assume he plays all 17 games for the Cleveland Browns. Where would you have Deshaun Watson ranked? I'd probably say within the top 15, you know, he hasn't played in a year. So he's going to probably take a couple games to kind of reintroduce himself into the league. And people think, oh, well, it's Deshaun Watson. He's a great quarterback, stuff like that. But even taking a year off can really do some damage to your game a little bit because, you know, you're not playing game time speed. You know, you're not throwing to your actual receivers. You're throwing on a high school field with just kind of a bunch of randos who are willing to catch for you. And you're NFL ready, obviously. You're an NFL quarterback, but you're not, you have to get yourself back up to speed speed and number two you're learning a brand new system that you didn't have in houston you're learning a whole system and it's based on the running games there's gonna be opportunities where yeah he's gonna run himself but also too you're you're running a bunch of three tight end sets and you're gonna have to learn just to play in that kind of role yeah but if he's like baker mayfield was last year minus the interceptions minus Mm -hmm. the dumb turnovers then by virtue that would yes assure that he's a top 15 quarterback but if you look at the last full season that deshaun played he was the seventh best quarterback in a points per game basis with 23.1 fantasy points per game in that season he also led the nfl in passing yards so yes i agree that stefanski and them are going to be a more of a run first offense but i don't think you trade for a guy like deshaun watson and then say we're going to restrict him passing Oh, no, I'm sure you right now, Kevin Stefanski is going through his playbook and making some changes to where he can throw more. But when you say top 15, that just sounds too low to me. That sounds like you're hedging on him being more Carson Wentz from last year than Deshaun Watson from two years ago. I I just tried to open up the you know, the floor a little bit to give him some kind of like breathing room because eventually I wanted to put him in the top 10 because I think he can easily be a top 10 quarterback in the league. I just feel a top 15 just to kind of reintroduce himself to the NFL and be like, okay, this guy could easily just go from like 13 to easily be the top seven. Well, that's fair. But the problem is if he gets announced tomorrow that he's not going to get suspended, he's going to play all 17 games, then you're not drafting him to be a top 15 quarterback. You're drafting him to be a top 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 five quarterback. No, you're drafting him to be top five, honestly. Honestly. Yeah. And that's where the draft value would go. Now, yeah. there's also this game here, knowing that the possibility of a suspension happens. Now, I don't think they're going to suspend him a whole year. Um, no. Based on similar situations, I'm thinking back to the Ezekiel Elliott situation where also he wasn't criminally charged. He yeah. had civil stuff going on. And even his stuff uh, kind of got waved off, but the NFL still made the executive decision to suspend him six games. I'm thinking anywhere from six to eight games. You also factor in Antonio Brown's suspension from a couple years ago as well. I think that those are comparable situations that the NFL mm-hmm. might look at for suspending him. Now, let's just say, let's split the difference. Let's say he suspended seven games. What do you think is the appropriate round to grab Deshaun Watson? For me, he's still going to, like you say, he's still going to be an excellent quarterback and stuff like that. So you can still, for me, grab him early. I would say within the top five. Because within the he, top five, though. I mean, but you are still losing him for seven weeks. 
So you, well, top, if you draft like, in at least top, top five, five, don't you also have to draft like I don't well, know, I mean, Kirk like, Cousins type or I mean like top five rounds? No, that's top, what I'm saying. Like top five oh, okay. rounds is still pretty okay. early for that, a quarterback, especially with the idea of waiting true. on quarterbacks. I mean, Patrick Mahomes might not go till the third round. Kyler Murray might not go till the third round. Deshaun Watson, you're drafting him in the fifth round, knowing that he's gone for seven games. Knowing he's gone, I'd still draft him pretty high just for the fact that, you know, he's going to be one of those quarterbacks that can make a great impact. So because if you don't draft him, someone else will. I mean, that's just how fantasy football works is sometimes you could say like, oh, well, he's dropping a couple. I could keep waiting or waiting. And then next thing you know, he's just snatched the next pick. That's why I'm saying kind of like top five to at least seven, at least. So that way, you know, it's like you can get him, but, you know, you don't have to worry about someone just snatching him right underneath you. And well, we, we know that he's if he's gone for. For seven games obviously you're not going to have a starting quarterback for seven games so that means right. you have to draft a backup uh who are some quarterbacks that you would kind of try and pair with him obviously we don't know the schedule this far out so we can't like compare matchups yeah. but some guys in the later rounds that you might target um if you were someone that drafted Deshaun Watson a little earlier in hopes of just blocking him down for playoffs well you can still kind of go down the route of like a Jacoby Brissett because he if Deshaun can't play you know he's a good bat and you could get him later on yeah but Jacoby's never going to move the needle for you fantasy at best you're oh, hoping no. for 15 points that's probably Jacoby Brissett's upside wouldn't you rather go with someone like a hell even a Tua oh yeah yeah easily Tua because he's gonna be my next mention was Tua but the reason why I bring up Jacoby Brissett is because he has that similar running style kind of play and but he's, he's never not, been good in fantasy never been good in fantasy but I think this Kevin Stefanski offense can help elevate that just a little bit I, I think it would double down on his conservism obviously it's a run first offense so right. what is Jacoby Brissett throwing like 15 times a game at best if he's put in a situation he has to start can you really get fantasy points off 15 pass attempts I mean you can get fantasy points knowing that you know if he's within the the five yard line he could easily just run in and score and there's but even in the full year he played when Andrew Luck Luck decided to retire last minute Mm -hmm. what do you get like five rushing scores is that going to be good enough to elevate you for seven weeks for seven weeks you can make do, but you know, like, like you said, I would stick to more of like a Tua kind of guy. Yeah. I think there's guys in the second tier that you could probably get. I would mention like someone out the gate, like a Kirk Tua. Cousins first yeah, or a Tua first, or you could go the Carson Wentz, the Wentz route. route. Yeah. You can see if maybe one of the rookies from last year, like a Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence, very early Trey on, Lance, can maybe. become better. A Trey Lance, take that route. If Jimmy's still the starter, take that route. I would shoot more for that than just settling on Jacoby Brissett, who at best is going to be quarterback 24, 25. Are you even ranking Jacoby Brissett, if you're being honest, Drew? I'm going to wait for the suspension, maybe, depending on to where I'm going to put Jacoby Brissett. But if Jacoby Brissett, you know, is day one starter, I'd probably put him within that 24-25 range. And that's not what I'm drafting a guy for. I'd rather take a shot on Jameis Winston coming off an ACL tear than Jacoby Brissett, just because at least I I just know Jameis has been good for fantasy in the past as opposed to Jacoby. There's a lot of guys I would probably (laughs) mention before Brissett. Now, let me throw this to you. What about a Baker Mayfield if he does get traded to like a Seattle or to like an Indy? To a Seattle, I'm just taking the chance on Seattle being really bad and yeah. having to pass a ton because they're going to be playing catch up in the majority of their games. But even then, I don't like that because Seattle's offensive line is going to be a little bit beat up. We saw Cleveland struggle a little bit, Baker Mayfield struggle when the offensive line had injuries last year. <laughs> yeah. So do I want to take the risk of an undersized quarterback who suffered from injuries last year, a torn lat with a bad offensive line. And if they trade like Tyler Lockett before the draft, maybe just DK Metcalf and Noah Fant to throw to. I kind of don't like that. And I think now that Russell Wilson is gone, Pete Carroll is going to be more run first heading into next year as well. If he goes to the Colts, okay. But I think that offense is again, going to run through Jonathan Taylor. So even on the best case situations for Baker Mayfield, I think he's maybe in that quarterback 16 to 20 range which I guess can get you by again if you're just trying to make it work. But I would only start him in great matchups. <laughs> I, I would yeah. only be comfortable doing it in fantastic matchups, which again, obviously early here in the offseason, so we don't know what the schedule is going to look like. I, I just don't feel confident in Baker Mayfield being my week one starter in fantasy football. That's why as bold as you are to say, I'm going to go and grab Deshaun in the fifth round, I'm going to wait until like round eight round nine if I miss on him I miss on him but that's more adequate value to me that's yeah. with a with a suspension I think that that's more adequate value and maybe 
I pair him with a guy that's not quite a quarterback one, but somewhere on that quarterback two to one range any given week. That could be like a Matt Ryan even, and Matt Ryan gets put in the right situation. Yeah. I, I think that those guys, at least their passing opportunities are more there. Uh, we'll see what Doug Peterson brings to Jacksonville if Trevor Lawrence is going to be a little bit more opened up. A guy like Justin Fields, I would love to pair Deshaun Watson with Justin Fields if I'm stacking these quarterbacks, because I think Justin Fields is going to have a phenomenal sophomore year. Again, you mentioned a guy like Trey Lance. Those are probably guys I would target if I was a Deshaun Watson draftee or a Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. owner heading into next season. Let's move on to some of the other quarterbacks that moved around this offseason. Russell Wilson is now in Denver. Now, Russ for the first time in his career, missed games with injury last year. And he's been bad for like a season and a half. But if you just remember, if you just close your eyes and remember that 2019 season where he was quarterback two on the season, he's been phenomenal in the past. When Russ cooks, he can cook. And now he's re-motivated, or at least you would think he's re-motivated heading into this new situation in Denver in this loaded AFC West. Russell Wilson, if you had to put money on it, is he going to be a quarterback one in 2022? I think so. I think Denver's a more well-rounded offense than Seattle is. I think they got a bit of a better offensive line. They got a better running back situation. And, you know, they do have good receivers. I'm not going to say they're better than DK and maybe a Tyler Lockett, but they still got some pretty good receivers in Denver. So it's not like he's got bad people to throw the ball to. I'm kind of liking the situation for him. It's more of a well-rounded offense. Something that he was used to in Seattle for a while was, a you know, a decent well-rounded offense that could get the job done and a very good defense behind him. I I think Russ could be a quarterback one this season because, you know, it's a better fit for him. And I think scheme wise, it it actually kind of works. I am concerned about the scheme a little bit because Nathaniel Hackett is a first year head coach. And while he's coming from that Shanahan, that LaFleur, that McVay offensive style, a lot of people have the misperception about that offense that it's a pass first offense. It is a run first offense. So I don't know if he's necessarily going to be cooking in the same way. But honestly, you know, Russ, he started putting on a little bit of weight. He seemed less enthused about the team in Seattle. So I I think just re-motivated to really establish his brand, his image, because I think that it's still a blight on Russell Wilson's career, obviously never mm-hmm. being an MVP candidate, never getting an MVP vote. And I, I think he wants to right the ship endeavor. I think this is a big legacy building season for Russ. So I could see him audibling into passing plays. I could see him trying to control the offense, whether it's going to be for the better or worse for Denver is the question that we got to unlock. And I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett necessarily has the pelts on the wall to tell Russ <laughs> hey, I love that you want to take control of this offense, but we would only need a run in this situation. Because also, it's not just like Russ was injured and he couldn't get the pass up or the offensive line was bad. Russ was also making bad turnover decisions mm-hmm. um, as he struggled last year. Obviously, we, we go back to games against like the Los Angeles Rams, other games in which he had like less than 200 passing yards, less than 150 passing yards. Th- those existed last year. Even against, I, I think he had a bad game against a bad Washington defense. They were ex- expecting to come out and ball out and it just never really materialized. So I like Russ to have a rebound season, but I'm going to hedge on him being more quarterback back end quarterback one that I'm going to hedge on him being back to that elite tier because he's not yeah. jumping guys like Allen. He's not jumping guys like Mahomes. He's not jumping guys like Lamar, Kyler. Right. Um, he's probably could compete with a guy like a Dak Prescott. And then you think about guys like also in that tier, like Deshaun Watson, he's probably about Deshaun Watson, but uh, at least on his case, he probably won't have the suspension. So I would probably draft those guys in a comparable range, but I'm not going to go out there with the assumption that I drafted Russ and I'm getting the MVP candidate Russ. One thing, again, this is a guy that I might hope that he slides in drafts. If I could get Russell Wilson later in drafts, I think that that's the best case scenario. But I I think you're making a mistake if you try and go out there and leap for him in the early rounds just because he's with a new team. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. I think he's a guy that could easily just slide a little bit in the drafts. You know, he could be a very good pickup. And I don't have him very much at the elite tier either. I have him more of as like a lower end QB one, you know, some a guy that, you know, like you said, is very motivated, wanting to win games now. He's in a new setup. You know, he's he's not in dreary Seattle anymore. He, he's in a more better place to be in. If not him, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers, most likely. <laughs> the only thing that worries me, though, is just like you look at this AFC West and it just got it's so scary. Loaded. 
And not to mention, he doesn't just play the AFC West. The AFC West plays the NFC West this year. So he, regardless of what the schedule ends up being in the long run, I just know, just naming off the teams, this revamp Raiders defense that might get Stefan Gilmore tomorrow, reportedly, uh, this Chargers defense that went out there and got Khalil Mack and JC Jackson, this Chiefs defense, which, you know, a borderline, but midseason, they kind of made a defensive turnaround and they're always going to be a tough out. They're always going to be a tough game for anyone. <laughs> Obviously, they've just been running roughshod through the AFC West for years. He's going to still face the Rams. He's still going to face the Niners. I'm sure there's going to be another couple games on Denver's schedule that's going to look scary. Strength of schedule, I think, as we get closer to the season, is going to be one of those big arguments potentially against Russell Wilson to be in that elite yep. tier again. And th- obviously, too, these are just names. I mean, Khalil Mack's just a name right now. JC Jackson's just a name right now. We we assume that they're going to be good because they've been good in the past. But yeah. these could just be those splashy offseason moves. But again, that could be Russell Wilson, too. This could be just a name that's been good in the past. And Denver thinks that now they're Super Bowl candidates and they're not getting the same rust that played for Seattle two years ago in 2019. Obviously, if you're a fantasy owner that drafts Russ, you're hoping you're getting that version. You're hoping the one that's a five-star chef, not um, Hannah making you a hot Cheetos and cheese sandwich, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're hoping we're getting five-star gourmet chef kiss Russell Wilson. That's not what the, we're hoping comes in Denver. Not the ramen in a bowl in a microwave type of situation. <laughs> exactly. And not even in a bowl. The, the ramen in the styrofoam cup that's probably yeah. going to give you cancer. That That's the type <laughs> of Russell Wilson that we got last year and the second half of 2020. If you're Denver in particular, if you're in the Colorado area code, uh, you're hoping that you're not getting that version of Russell Wilson. Let's talk about another couple quarterbacks to close out. Aaron Rodgers. Staying in Green Bay. Tom Brady back for another year, maybe another couple years. Uh, Brady was a top three quarterback in points per game last year. Rodgers was tied with six with Jalen Hurts at 20.8 versus Brady's 22 per game. Who is more likely out of those two to be a top five quarterback again this season? I'm going to keep banking on Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady's just got the better overall team. I mean, we just talked about it a little bit earlier. Aaron Rodgers lost Devontae Adams. So it's like, who's he going to be throwing the football to at this point? Aaron Jones and Robert Tunyon? Well, if you look at the uh, box score for the Niners game in the playoffs, it was literally 10 targets for Devontae, 10 targets for Aaron Jones, one target to Mercedes Lewis, and one target to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That's something yeah. that can't be replicated. It can't just be Aaron Jones. So someone else needs to step in the offense and I agree with you because better weapons I mean Godwin's back Godwin just signed a new deal in Tampa Mike Evans is still there Gronk's not back with the team yet and we'll get into that when we talk tight ends Mm -hmm. but you imagine he's probably going to re-up to be back there in Tampa Bay with his boy the offensive line took a hit for Brady which obviously if you're Tom Brady you kind of rely on your offensive line but also part of Brady's game is that quick release to not get sacked so I anticipate he's still going to be good the guy threw for 5,000 plus passing yards last year he led the league in touchdowns in his age 44 season. Nothing shows me the guy's declining. So why should I bet against him at this point? That's why I wanted him to come back. I didn't think he was done. I still think it's weird to say, but he's still in an athletic prime. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys who's ridiculous. You know, it, it's one of those things where we can see like LeBron being that kind of situation where he's just like an athletic freak. And it's like, you really don't see much decline in these guys. And they're just going to continue to be good no matter what. Well, even with Peyton, Peyton showed decline. Yeah. Like his arm started to fall off. And by the 2015 season, he was getting benched for Brock Osweiler. We have not seen even close to that from Tom Brady. Exactly. Uh, with Aaron, Aaron, just, you know, his conservative style of play, I, I think to take away the games in the NFC North, North. He really relied on those NFC North games. So if you're an Aaron Rodgers owner, you're really relying in on him to beat up on the Lions, the Vikings, and the Bears. Outside yeah. of those games, he's not great for you in fantasy. Versus Brady, who's, other than the games against the Saints, don't start him against the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. Uh, Brady is good for you in every single matchup. He's less matchup dependent than even Aaron Rodgers is, which is crazy to say. And plus, you know, playing in sunny Tampa Bay, Florida versus late in the season playing in Green Bay, Wisconsin, I think also takes a hit to Aaron's fantasy value because we saw it again in that Niners game where Aaron Rodgers threw for less passing yards in the second half of that game than Jimmy Garoppolo. This is the kind of stats to kind of consider. And again, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to be a QB one next year. He's still going to be in the top 12. But if I'm picking right now today, I'm 
in the fifth round. It's Brady or Rodgers. I'm going Brady. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's just nothing but Brady. And, you know, maybe things can change if Green Bay were to actually, you know, test free agency for wide receivers and get themselves a decent wide receiver or someone who could catch the ball. You know, you don't have to rely too much on Aaron Jones to do all the work for you. (laughs) I think it is. M-V-S-S-E-N. And, and I mean, they still have Alan Lazard too, so. Actually, no, MVS is gone. That's right. MVS yeah. is no longer there. I would say, I think MVS left. So, yeah, no, it, it seriously is a question of who uh, Aaron is going to throw to. Um, Himself. <laughs> maybe, may have to do a little Marcus Mariota. <laughs> yeah, throw it to yourself. <laughs> These guys are on fire. Let's hear more. Second quarter starts now. Talking running backs is usually a little bit more fun, but not during this year's free agency. Some of the main moves include Rashad Penny returning to Seattle on a one-year deal. Cordell Patterson is remaining in Atlanta. Former 49ers OC Mike McDaniel is now with the head coach in Miami and got familiar faces to go there. Raheem Mostert is now with the Dolphins. Uh, he will be paired with Chase Edmonds down there in Miami. Uh, and J.D. McKissick is staying in Washington. Drew, do any of these moves really stand out to you? Not really. Like you said, it's nothing too crazy or too exciting with the running backs position, or at least right now in free agency. Um, J.D. McKissick did pull a big F you to Buffalo and just said, nah, I'm going to stay in Washington. Also, too, I, I like, you know, how McDaniel's being paired back up with Raheem Mostert, you know, if a very familiar face. I think Raheem Mostert, when not injured, is a very good back. And so I think out of any of these guys, I probably like Raheem Mostert the most out of any of these backs. Well, let's talk about Miami's backfield then. Uh, yeah. So Mike McDaniel was the OC in San Francisco. San Francisco is a run first team and in fact had the fifth most rushing attempts in the NFL with 499 rushing attempts. They also had the seventh most rushing yards over 2,166 yards last season in 2021. Counter that though, Miami was one of the worst run blocking offensive lines in pro football. Mm-hmm. Their running backs only averaged three point five yards per carry was that because the running backs were bad was miles gaskin just that bad or was it because the offensive line wasn't setting them up for success i'm curious which force is going to win in this is it going to be miami was bad or mike mcdaniels is so good that he's going to fix this miami rushing game raheem moster chase edmonds these guys are speed guys if you had a draft one today knowing that raheem has a little bit of a rapport with mcdaniel but also knowing that chase has been the better running back the last couple of years. Where are you going? Honestly, I might stick with Moster just for the fact that he knows Mike McDaniel's and he knows that he knows a Mike McDaniel's offense. And at this point, like you said, you're kind of banking on the offensive line trying to help you in this situation because Miles Gaskin was pretty awful last season. So yeah. the zone blocking scheme helps offensive linemen it tends to favor more athletic offensive linemen so you wonder if Miami is going to go back in the draft and try and get guys who can move a little bit or if it's going to be a better blocking scheme for the guys they currently have which of those is going to win out I'm going to differ from you though because as a Niners fan I've obviously obviously got a front row seat to Raheem Mostert the last couple years and the guy just can't stay healthy it is what it is at this point he just can't stay healthy and on the field so I think he's going to be used a little bit more sparingly I don't know if they're going to use him primarily is a third down back but Chase Edmonds if he can adapt to this run blocking scheme he could potentially be a top 10 fantasy winning back next season I I can make that claim and they paid him the most money out of these guys out of the guys that went to Miami they paid him the most compared to Raheem Moser so I think that says that he's going to be the lead back at least heading into training camp and considering the Raheem is working his way back from a knee surgery I don't think he's going to be ready to compete out the gate and if you look back at the 2019 season and Raheem, where Raheem Moser was running crazy in the playoffs, he kind of got better as the year went on. He didn't really take off right away. On one hand, I think Raheem, his best case is to be used sparingly. He's probably like a deep lottery ticket type running back if you're drafting him because he can pop off. Like I've said this, like when Raheem Moser hits that second gear, he's gone. There, there's no mm-hmm. catching up with him. He is one of the fastest players in the NFL. But again, that could turn on him quick. That's one of the reasons he's also been so banged <laughs> up. McDaniel is going to make this Miami backfield one that can actually win some fantasy leagues and I I think it's going to be a bit of a sleeping giant just because again that that zone blocking scheme you just look at all the teams that use it you look at what's going on with the Rams you look at what's going on with Green Bay you look at what happens with the Niners and all those teams we've we've said it for years with Kyle Shanahan you just want whoever Kyle Shanahan's running back is it doesn't matter if it's Andrew Hagenbaugh you just want that guy (laughs) on your team because he's going 
run for a thousand yards. That's what I think could happen in Miami this year. Yeah, and I agree. I don't think you want to draft me though. I'm more of like a Trent Richardson. I'm kind of blind to the open holes. You, you play soccer. You got you got the stamina. So I got your the heart stamina. is there. You always have the heart. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I can I, I can stand a field for more than two plays. <laughs> Let's talk about a backfield too. We talk about these backfields by committee. This one also is going to be a hard read. Uh, so Rashad Penny, he ended up finishing the year as running back 36, mostly because in four of his last five games, Rashad Penny scored over 19 fantasy points. And Rashad, who was a first round bust, got re-signed on a one-year deal to stay in Seattle. Coming back off the injured list is going to be Chris Carson. And Chris Carson's always been a guy that I've been high on in fantasy. When he's on the field, he's awesome. But he's coming mm-hmm. back from a neck injury. Neck injuries are scary in football. I don't know if you heard of a guy named Peyton Manning who basically had retired because his neck was so bad. That's what Chris Carson could be. And Chris Carson plays a much more damaging position than quarterback. Quarterback now in today's NFL, they can barely touch you. Running back, you're getting hit on every play. If you're drafting today, Rashad Penny or Chris Carson? It's got to be Rashad Penny because that neck injury really scares me. Because like you said, one hit and that guy's done for his career. You, you don't want to bank on that risk of, you know, he's going to get flattened. And next, you know, he's just laying there on the ground and he can't move because his neck is broken again and he can't do anything so he might just not even suit up for training camp that's that's a possibility he might miss this year just because the neck injury lingers i would say probably there's a good chance that seattle ends up going into the season with rashad penny and alex collins is their main running backs I think a thing to talk about, though, with Seattle is we talk about how they got worse with the Russell Wilson trade. Yeah. With Drew Locke being the week one starter, not trying to disrespect Drew Locke, but it, it is what it is. Are you concerned about the rushing game? Because, uh, I mean, if you're a team, what are you doing? If you're, if you're not loading the box against Drew Locke, then I, I think he should be fired for malpractice in itself. Yeah, and I agree. Like, defenses love an offense kind of like Seattle right now, where it's very destroyed. And, you know, the offensive line destroyed. You got Drew Locke as your main starter. You got one-dimensional if they're what, running if, the ball 30 to 40 times a game exactly and it's just not a situation that i would just look at at all like i'm not gonna sit there and be like wow seattle's running backs look great you know i'm gonna kind of it's like miami with miles gaskin you know i'm just kind of overlooking just kind of be like mm. miami's backfield or seattle's i'd definitely take miami's okay but with rashad penny though again four of his last five weeks last season over 19 fantasy points rashad penny how high are you drafting him i'm not gonna draft him high I think he's a guy who's gonna fall pretty pretty much towards the mid rounds like I think fifth fourth I I can see him going fourth because he's still running back too at bare minimum he's a running back too and running backs are always gonna be overvalued in fantasy yeah I think that's a fair place to get him it's just one of those things just like ooh, 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 I know Rashad Penny or James Robinson oh man I guess keep in mind too, Travis Etienne should be coming back this year. Yeah, I'm going to go with Rashad Penny just for the fact that Travis Etienne most likely will be back this year. I, I would probably stick with Rashad Penny because you know he could be the week one starter. Speaking hmm. of a guy who's going to be a week one starter, so two more years in Atlanta for Cordero Patterson. Patterson was one of the pleasant surprises of 2021. He finished the season as running back nine with 208.6 points and half point PPR. Will Patterson be someone you spend a second or third round pick on? I don't see Keep why in mind, not. It was a flash in the pan season. There's always that counter argument. Yeah. He's also a guy who can also be a receiver as well as a running back. So, and Atlanta really doesn't have a receiver anymore. <laughs> I I do wonder if Yahoo and other fantasy platforms are going to nerf that. Are they going to keep him as a running back? Are they going to keep him as a wide receiver? They'll probably keep him. If they keep him as just a running back, I I think that obviously hurts his value. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like if he's more of a running back, his value is hurt. But if they put him as a receiver, that could really help because that makes him the main receiver inside of Atlanta, most likely. If they give him dual eligibility, does that elevate him up your draft boards? Uh, Does he move from suddenly being a second round wide receiver to even potentially being a first because you think about what Christian McCaffrey was able to do with exploiting the PPR system I think so I mean he's very talented he's very versatile so and he's a quick guy too so I think you know with his versatility he's going to be utilized quite a bit in that Atlanta offense not only just as a running back but also as a receiver too because they lost Calvin Ridley for the season he's most likely going to be their main receiver as well (laughs) would you rather have one of the elite wide receivers like uh, Justin Jefferson Stefan Diggs we're talking like back-end first round guys Jamar Chase who's probably going to be up there or a Cordell Patterson to sure up your running back position. I'm still probably going to go with the receivers and that option. 
I just don't like the situation down in Atlanta. Okay, so we're actually sliding him probably then to early round two. That's yeah. probably where we put Cordell Patterson based off that. Like you're still drafting the elite wide receivers above him. Obviously, you're drafting the elite running backs above him, which yeah. as we get into it, obviously the elite running backs is kind of like a sketchy thing this coming season. Like who yeah. are the elite running backs? I'll, I'll be honest. Like it's kind of rather limited once you get past Jonathan Taylor. It's like aging Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry coming off his foot injury last last year uh Delvin Cook who's consistently been hurt elite running back Christian McCaffrey you know Nick Chubb. Been banged up Nick Chubb who's been banged up but also takes a hit with Kareem Hunt in the same backfield yeah. there's not a lot of ideal situations at running back this year and those first round running backs I, I, you know how I, Cordell Patterson might be above some of those guys just simply because he's relatively unopposed Mike yeah. Davis wasn't much of a story last year. The rookie running back they had last year wasn't much of a story relevant in the receiving game. So he's a three down running back. Uh, he might be one of the more safer floor options actually at the position. Whoever the quarterback in Atlanta is, they're only going to throw to either him or Kyle Pitts most likely too. So yeah. is, those are the only main options you have. <laughs> exactly. Calvin Ridley took the bet on yourself philosophy a little bit too far <laughs> and he will not be there in Atlanta next year. It will just be a lot of Cordero Patterson or Kyle Pitts as you you mentioned the slumbuster guys are killing it half done third quarter is beginning now if there is one offseason market that can rival the movement of quarterback it's who they throw to. We, we've seen multiple big names change jerseys in 2022. Here's a quick summary of the moves to note. Allen Robinson has signed with the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams after struggling to find a connection with rookie Justin Fields. Amari Cooper went from Dak to Baker to Deshaun as he joins the Browns. Devontae Adams is reuniting with his Fresno State teammate Derek Carr on the Raiders. Jacksonville went crazy acquiring Zay Jones and Christian Kirk, probably overpaying, but they decided to acquire them with LaVisca Chenault also still there. Robert Woods following a trade takes Julio Jones' spot on the Titans roster as Julio is still a free agent following his cut. Where do you want to start, Drew? I'm down to start anywhere. I mean, these are all very good names to go off of. I mean... Devontae Adams, the car is a very interesting one because, you know, Aaron Rodgers signs that big extension hoping to play with Devontae Adams again. And next thing you know, a few days later, he's gone to Vegas and he's out of there. Yeah, we talked about who's going to take Devontae's spot in Green Bay. Well, he's taking an important spot on the Raiders and Derek Carr and him. They said it. They're they're like family. They're like brothers. They they Mm -hmm. really take that that Fresno State connection to heart. Because they were setting records. They were beating up on teams in the WAC, the Mountain West. I think they were in the WAC at that time. That was relatively when I was in high school. And they were beating up on teams like New Mexico, Colorado, Hawaii. But still, putting up big numbers. As good as Devontae and Aaron Rodgers' connection was, you have to think that him and Derek Carr are going to be on that equal minds type thing. But the problem is Derek Carr is not Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> that, 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 that is the big problem. Like as good as Derek Carr is, and I'll admit he's, he's good. He's a good NFL quarterback. He's not necessarily a good fantasy quarterback, but he's a good NFL quarterback. Can he keep Devontae Adams numbers where they are? I mentioned in my fun fact of the day that Devontae has put up wide receiver one numbers each of the last five seasons and has been in that wide receiver one, wide receiver three, lowest being wide receiver nine territory. Can Derek Carr keep that up for him? Or do you think that this could be a down year for Devontae? I could see his numbers dipping a little bit because he's got to compete with Darren Waller for a lot of those target shares. So you have one of the best tight ends in the league, but now you're also the number one main receiver on the team. So you're going to be wanting targets, but Darren Waller is also going to be wanting targets as well. I think I could see his numbers dip a little bit. I don't say it's going to be a crazy insane drop off or I still think he can finish within that wide receiver one for a six year in a row like you said the Fresno State connection those guys have played together in college for a good chunk of time so they know each other very well and I think the move to Vegas wasn't terrible because everyone's like, oh, he's going to Vegas. I was like, remember him and Derek Carr played together for a while. So they know each other quite well. I mean, if you get $30 million to go to a place, you go to that place. Regardless yeah, exactly. of quarterback. <laughs> exactly. It could, Again, it could be, the could, worst be of the worst. could be Drew Hagenbach, could be Juju Tax Sports, Julian Martinez there at quarterback. They offer you $30 million. Take it, Devontae. 
you probably get like two receptions a year, but at least you get the 30 mil. Yeah, that's all that matters to me. I mean, if I get signed for 30 mil for two catches, I'm game for that. <laughs> well, the big thing is going to be with the touchdown production. So you look around yeah. that Raiders offense, uh, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and Devontae Adams. So you have a great slot guy there in Renfro, who uh, I believe he caught double-digit touchdowns last year. I might be wrong on that, but he he was a relevant wide receiver too. how at points he was even a wide receiver one late in the season. He was kind of like a Julian Edelman type. So you figure that that's going to hurt Renfro. Unfortunately, you know, he's going to give up because Devonte is like a six to 10 target guy. And I, I think the fact that him and Carr are such good friends, Carr is going to want to force balls to Devonte Adams. I mean, look mm-hmm. at what he did with Waller, right? We had that game. I, I think it was week one of last year where he threw at Waller 20 times yeah. something insane. And th- that's just because, Derek Carr made the executive decision. I trust Darren Waller. He's one of my playmakers. I'm going to get him the ball. Well, what do you think he's going to do with Devontae Adams, a bona fide wide receiver one? He's going to try and force the ball his way. I I just wonder, is Derek Carr going to be throwing more necessarily? Because I I don't think he's going to add like 10 more throws a game I don't think he's going to add 10 more passing attempts per game what what is the high end of a Josh McDaniels offense Uh, did we ever see Brady consistently drop back 40 50 times a game probably somewhere around 30 and like what target share is each of these guys going to get Um, if Adams gets like 10 targets can Darren Waller get close to 10 targets or if Adams gets uh, six targets what is Renfro getting that's kind of like the games you're going to have to play. I, I, I'm going to draft Devontae as a wide receiver one. Don't, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I mean, he's still probably <laughs> going to go in that first round, but it's just like, I look at guys like Jamar Chase. I look at guys like Justin Jefferson, who's yeah. relatively unopposed. Adam Thielen's still there and just catching touchdowns, but relatively unopposed. Uh, Devontae Adams or Jamar Chase? I would go Jamar Chase for the more uh, targets and the more like, Big time plays, most likely, because I mean, Jamar Chase does get those catches where he catches it for like five yards and runs for 95. <laughs> Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill? I'm actually going to be a little indifferent here. I'm going to go with Devontae. Okay, Devontae or Stefan Diggs? I'd probably go uh, Diggs, actually, because I think he's become the clear cut number one there. And I don't think there's anyone there that actually is going to oppose him. So Justin Jefferson or Devontae? Probably Jefferson. Because, like you said, Jefferson, I mean, he's basically the guy there anyway. So, and Thielen's not going to make too much noise besides just getting a couple of his touchdowns that he usually gets. So, I'm not even going to question Cooper Cup because Matthew Stafford is just going to pepper him with 30% of a target share. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think his spot is going to be challenged unless Matthew Stafford decides to just throw a change up here. But, you know, let's stick on that actually because. The Rams kind of had a shifting of the guard here too. Allen Robinson is now going to be in their wide receiving room and Robert Woods is no longer going to be. Now, Robert Woods, of course, injured his ACL last year. So mm-hmm. latter half of the season and certainly the Super Bowl run, we didn't have to worry about Robert Woods anyway. He kind of started to have a little bit of a downtrendy year um, with Matthew Stafford in the offense as opposed to Jared Goff um, prior to the injury. Every now and then you'd have a pop game from him, but it was very few and far between. Uh, OBJ obviously started really get involved in this offense as they made it to the playoff run. Early on, it was kind of looking a little bit questionable, his role in the offense. Now you have Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson in Chicago, he had some good seasons, obviously, in Chicago. Uh, you know, And then last year happened, and he became unplayable. You literally by like week six, you just had to wave the white flag and say, I'm done with Allen Robinson. And it was so out of character because outside of the year that Allen Robinson tore his ACL, he's always been good. He's been good with quarterbacks like Blaine Gabbert. He's been good with quarterbacks like Mitch Trubisky. It, it was just like not a question. If Allen Robinson's there, even with like Nick Foles, you, you were fine with starting him. And then Justin Fields, who obviously is a more dynamic rookie, comes in and suddenly there's just no connection. Darnell Mooney was the wide receiver one in Chicago. We know McVay. We know the Rams love a reclamation project. Allen Robinson, uh, how are you treating him this year? I mean, with Cooper Cup being the guy who's going to get 100% of the target, I'm just kidding, not 100%, but... You know, 30%, very, 30% a, a, very good, a very good 30%, which is very high and easily the highest in the league. Probably a high-end wide receiver, too. Because wide like, receiver, too? Okay, so you're thinking that he's probably going to be more closer to what Odell was by the end of the season? Right, because okay. now he really doesn't have to compete with Robert Woods or well, now Odell, because Odell's most likely going to miss the season with another torn ACL. It's basically him and Cooper Cup. 
fighting for target. And obviously we all know Cooper Cup's going to get 15 targets a game compared to Allen Robinson, who's probably going to get maybe, I, I would say the way how, or as much as Matt Stafford throws, I could see him getting a good, at least like six, seven targets a game. That, that is about the range like that he was giving Van Jefferson and OBJ during yeah. the year. So it's just really going to come down to what can Allen Robinson do with those targets. Allen Robinson, he's shown speed. He's shown ability to get up there and get contested balls. Are we going to see the Allen Robinson from two years ago? Or are we going to see the Allen Robinson from his last season in Chicago when he was playing on the franchise tag? And hey, that motivation is a hell of a thing for players too. Yeah. Was the franchise tag really that mentally scarring of a thing for Allen Robinson to receive? Was he really thinking, oh, I'm going to get my big payday. Um, and then when the Bears said no, that really destroyed his entire season. He came into last season unmotivated. He didn't even want to work with Justin Fields. He didn't even want to work with Andy Dalton. That, that's completely possible. Not a great look if you're a pro, but obviously we saw what happened with Matthew Stafford going from Detroit to Los Angeles. Uh, we saw what happened with other cast offs like Jalen Ramsey going from Jacksonville to Los Angeles. The Rams like to bring in guys like this and make them stars, make them Los Angeles stars. So Allen Robinson, I'm probably going to take advantage of the fact that his name got dragged through a little bit mud. I'm going to hope that he's somewhere in the sixth, seventh round. Mm-hmm. Something tells me as we get into training camp, his name's going to pick up a little bit more steam and it's going to be hard to get him in that range. And I'm going to be bummed out because I'm going to miss out on him. But I think if you could get him in the later rounds and really capitalize on his lower value, certainly if you're doing drafts right now, um, I I think that's perfect. Um, I I think his best case scenario is, like you said, a wide receiver too. His best case scenario. Now, the worst case is that he's last year's Allen Robinson and you just can't even put him in your lineup um, and you cut him. You actually had to cut Allen Robinson last year. That was the thing because he literally (laughs) wasn't helping you. Other guys that weren't helping their offenses, um, Julio Jones wasn't helping the Titans a lot last year. He has a perennial hamstring injury, and I love Julio. Julio is one of the most dominant wide receivers of my lifetime, but he's not that same guy anymore, and he never was last year. He just never could get right. He was never consistently on the field, and when he was, he was like wide receiver three, maybe a desperation flex, and we don't know what team Julio is going to end up on. There's still a lot of possible contenders for him but it seems like any team that signs him is signing him to be like their wide receiver three literally their wide receiver three on their offense maybe move him in the slot and just have a big body in there or you can move him to green bay um you know obviously now that he doesn't have a team you could probably take advantage of if you're drafting now which crazy if you are but if you are you take advantage of the fact that he's not on a team and if he does, yeah, if he does end up in a place like green bay that kind of has a wide open wide receiver position how are you kind of Looking at Julio Jones, you know, a former wide receiver that just had a bad year in Tennessee. It's really had a bad two years. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. He actually had a bad two years, but I think he needs to go somewhere where he can probably get a resurgence. And that's why I mentioned a team like Green Bay, where he could be the clear-cut number one guy, and he has a very elite quarterback throwing him the football. I think it could work out better in a place like Green Bay. But the things that worry me, the hamstring injury, is he going to consistently be like this past season where he's on and off the field like every three to four games and then he doesn't produce when he's back on the field? I, I think the real frustrating part is it doesn't matter if he is healthy. Yeah. He always has the Q mark next to his name. He always yeah. has a Q next to his name. So you really don't know until game day whether he's going to play for you. And I, I think those are the most frustrating players to have. Yeah, and I think he's going to be a guy that's going to fall if he, wherever he goes, he's going to fall very hard in the drafts. Like he's going to be a very mid-round kind of guy because I, I think people are tired of the cues next to his name and be like, I don't want to wait until game day to figure out if this guy's going to be playing or not. <laughs> I think personally, and this might be one of my worst takes. This might be one of my best takes. Regardless of where he ends up, even if it's Green Bay, I'm not drafting Julio Jones. I, I honestly, I'm right there with you, and we could be so far off on this. But you know what? The way that he's been going on these last couple of years doesn't give me much confidence or a lot of hope for him right now. Julio Jones or Odell Beckham Jr.? <laughs> I'd probably take Odell. Yeah, still probably a little bit more life in those legs. Um, yeah. Robert Woods coming back off of ACL. Actually, Robert Woods or Odell, both coming mm-hmm. off ACL injuries. But um, Odell's obviously happened later in this year. I'd go Robert Woods. Yeah, he just a little bit more time. Uh, but we'll yeah. see, though, because obviously that's now A.J. Brown's offense to run, assuming A.J. Brown is also a guy that can stay healthy, assuming Ryan Tannehill yeah. could 
be good again because he, he wasn't good again in 2021. Ryan Tannehill also took a step back. So that Tennessee offense as a whole, I don't know if that's going to be great for Robert Woods. Uh, Robert Woods might be a guy that's like a wide receiver three now yeah. in Tennessee. Um, I think a lot of his value was inflated by being with the Rams over the last four or five seasons or since McVay got there. And now yeah. that he's no longer with the Rams, I, I worry about him becoming Buffalo Robert Woods again. Yeah, uh, the last I'm, I'm one, right there with you. The last one, and we it's crazy that we went this far in the discussion without talking about it. Uh, again, going back to your Browns fanhood, you have Amari Cooper now. Yeah. And now you have Amari <laughs> Cooper with, as much as we talk about the off-the-field issues, an elite quarterback. Amari Cooper is with an elite quarterback. Potentially, though, he may also take a dip if Deshaun is not on the field with a suspension. I think you have to draft Amari in the higher rounds, but if Jacoby Brissett's throwing in the ball, uh, those first few weeks could be really bad fantasy production. Uh, seriously, he doesn't even get the wide receivers involved. Uh, we talked about his limited passing attempts. He, he doesn't yeah. really get wide receivers involved. I, I think he had one small stretch with T.Y. Hilton in Indianapolis. But other than that, um, Jacoby Brissett can really hurt a wide receiver's value. If Deshaun is suspended, Amari um, Cooper... Uh, what round would you feel comfortable drafting him in? Well, like you said, I'd still be drafting him for because of Deshaun Watson a little bit more in the higher rounds. But the thing what is, are we talking this is here. Like we, we gotta set a range. I'll go at least top four. So top four rounds. That I might be willing to wait until five if yeah. I found out that uh if I find out Deshaun was suspended till week 10, 9, something like that. But I mean, obviously, I would benefit from having Amari in the playoff run. But then again, too, I also got to factor in Amari. It's not a model of health and consistency. Yeah, that was one of his um, down marks. But the main thing I'm looking at here is who is opposing him for targets in Cleveland. I mean, I know you're big on guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, Fenton, and Joku. These guys who are still on the roster, Higgins. Actually, Higgins is gone now. Higgins is gone now. Finally, that's a guy that's just hung around your roster for years. Uh, yeah. But still, these guys aren't going to compete with Amari Cooper if all players are healthy and on the field. They're not in the same category as Amari Cooper. Well, there has been in Cleveland media, there has been whispers that there's a good chance that we could restructure a deal with Jarvis Landry to bring him back to pair him up with Amari Cooper again. There could be that pairing again. Uh, obviously, it's up to Jarvis whether or not he wants to come back. I think the way everything has been looking that this past season, not a lot of people really liked Baker Mayfield in that locker room. He wasn't very he wasn't a very favorable guy, and that could be one of the reasons why Jarvis said, "I'm not going to play on this team and not take a pay cut or you know sign an extension with this team because of this guy." Well, now that guy is most likely gone here in the next couple weeks or so. I think there's a good chance that again you have an elite quarterback. And you could easily bring him back. And he's like, I'm excited again because we have a great quarterback. And if anything bars, you know, if something happens to Amari Cooper, you're clear cut number one guy again. So, <laughs> and you're your top end receiver and you got rid of a, uh, Austin Hooper, who's not going to take up those targets in the middle of the field and dropping them. You got David Njoku, who's more or less of uh, a red zone type of threat more than he is driving down the field type of guy. So we'll get into tight ends, but I kind of wonder yeah. if he's going to get a boost in value because Deshaun actually is a guy that utilizes his tight ends. It's a kind of Quite very a bit, underrated yeah. thing. Njoku obviously has struggled relative to his draft status in his career. Uh, focusing back on Amari, I do also have to add the caveat. Again, we mentioned the possibility if Deshaun is suspended. Yeah. Deshaun isn't suspended. I think this is a guy I'm drafting in round two. Yeah. He's not a wide, round one wide receiver anymore, but he's he's still round round two, mid round two, especially again, right now he's the undisputed number one wide receiver in this offense. We'll see how he takes the Cleveland trade too. I mean, <laughs> I mean not, not this in your state, not this in your city, but we saw Odell wasn't too jazzed to go there. Amari's a star wide receiver too. Uh, I'm sure he probably was thinking, man, I got traded to Cleveland. For a bag of peanuts. <laughs> For a bag of peanuts, essentially. Yeah, fifth and sixth round. So is he going to be one of those guys that's motivated by the trade? Or is he going to be one of those guys that kind of goes and hides in his corner and waits till he's a free agent to start playing well again? Hopefully the Deshaun trade kind of re-energized him because I think I, if he just got went into the season and it was just Baker and I, I, I start off liking Baker, but you know, we're seeing the faults in Baker's game. I think if he yeah. was with the Baker situation in the same way Odell was with the Baker situation, I think he may have been another guy that was in his fillings and didn't necessarily embrace the Cleveland trade. But yeah. now knowing that the franchise made essentially a commitment to the Cleveland organization, the Cleveland fans, whatever 
fans they still have remaining after the Deshaun Watson trade. They made a commitment to those fans to say, we are all in this year. We're trying to compete in the AFC North. And that's a commitment that reigns down to the players that we're trying to compete in the AFC North. And there is no better thing you could say to a star wide receiver than getting them a star quarterback like Deshaun is. Again, if he's not suspended, clear cut, wide receiver one, set and forget, he's going to be in your lineup every week he's healthy. If Deshaun Watson is suspended, well, he's probably a wide receiver three until Deshaun gets back on the field. Yeah, no, and I agree. I think, and I, and that's why Andrew Barry and, you know, the Browns pursued a guy like Deshaun Watson because you're like, okay, we got Amari Cooper. Now let's pair him with someone elite like a Deshaun Watson. And, you know, maybe he is more excited about being a Cleveland Brown than beforehand when he first got traded there because he's like, damn, I'm going to play with Baker Mayfield. And I was like, okay, great. Now I get to play with Deshaun Watson. So now I have actually a legit quarterback in this offense. And so whether you like Baker Mayfield or not, everyone agrees universally that Deshaun Watson's upgrade from a player standpoint. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, he's not sitting there like, well, Dak overthrows me every other play. So, you know, I don't have to worry about all that too much. And, you know, forget Jacoby Brissett, man. It's Nick Mullins season in this, in this organization. (laughs) You don't want to ever say it's Nick Mullins season. Anytime Mullins and SVN are using the same sentence, uh, it gives me flashbacks of him throwing one of the most egregious pick sixes in NFL history. If you go back and watch uh, the Sunday night game between the Niners and Eagles a couple years ago when he threw that oh, yeah. pick six. Uh, it, it's still one that even now, <laughs> like as useless as that 2021, 20, 2020 season was. That, that, <laughs> that's still one of the ultimate low lights there. And I got to see it live in Dallas too when he uh, had Tommy John. And now starts the final quarter. Buckle up, buckle up. This is the Slump Buster Podcast. Tight ends last season was admittedly a position we didn't really talk much about. Unfortunately, it's been a dart throw position for years. There's only a few elite guys that you target on any given season, but we did see a lot of movement and it's worth talking about it here in a full segment. Noah Fent joined the Seahawks as part of the Russell Wilson deal. Evan Ingram is another Jags pass catcher, another guy who got broken off there in Duval County. OJ Howard is leaving Tampa to join Josh Allen in Buffalo. Right there, that is three former first-round picks at the tight end position that are with new teams this season. This makes David Njoku the only first-round pick from the 2017 tight end draft class to still be with his original team. Hayden Hurst joins Joey B and Cincy and CJ Uzama is now a Jet. But let's not start necessarily with the direct moves, but an indirect fantasy impact to one of the guys that we consider elite at the position. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but are you worried at all about Darren Waller with Devontae Adams now in town? Not too much because the fact that is is that Darren Waller as a tight end is one of the best yards after the catch type of player than any of the tight ends in the NFL. I mean, that guy will literally catch the ball for two yards and bully for another 15. So he's a great yards after catch type of tight end. And I think that's going to help him utilize his targets a lot more, even if he does get less than Devontae Adams. And I would say it might even open him up more because if you were a defense last season and you're playing the Raiders, especially after the Henry Ruggs incident, you were saying there's one guy that we have to shut down in this passing game. And his name is Darren Waller, big 83. Now with Devontae, you can't do that. Yeah. Now with Hunter Renfro running these crisp routes, you can't do that. This is a very multifaceted offense. And how many other guys are you drafting that are better than Darren Waller? It, it is concerning because from the standpoint of where does he rank amongst the other elite guys like George Kittle, like Travis Kelsey, but even if he still gained four or five targets, and I think that's probably his floor, that's more than these other tight ends. We got, we have tight ends that have a floor of zero. Oh yeah. A goose egg floor. They, they can go an entire game and not even see a target, but Darren Waller is at least going to see six to 10 targets in a given game. And if he comes down with four or five of them and turns them into 50, 60 yards and manages land in the end zone, then that is more than any other tight end is giving you in the league. That's not named Travis Kelsey. And I love George Kittle, but I still might draft Darren Waller over George Kittle. Just from when I factor in the injury standpoints, when 
when I factor in whose offense is throwing more rookie quarterback there in San Francisco versus Derek Carr, who's a more established guy with a great rapport with Darren Waller. Um, and, and again, I'm saying rookie quarterback in San Francisco. It might be Jimmy Garoppolo still, but just that uncertainty at quarterback, I think, has Darren Waller above George Kittle currently. And Travis Kelsey's the undisputed number one, even after having a down year. Uh, I think a lot of people were a little bit overzealous when they drafted him in round one last year, because that started to be a more movement like draft Travis Kelsey in round one. And then it backfired for a lot of owners, especially because Patrick Mahomes had a down year. But you're not going to find much people that are better than Darren Waller. So I think just don't overthink it. If you were drafting tight end early and you liked a guy like Darren Waller, Devontae doesn't change the fact that Darren Waller is just elite at the position and has a great rapport with the quarterback. Uh, Another elite guy that I, I mentioned, there's some uncertainty. I also mentioned this guy earlier. Rob Gronkowski, he, he's not officially a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I've, I've been thinking about this. Why hasn't he come back when Tom Brady said he's coming back? And the simple answer, Rob Gronkowski, for as good as he is, for as elite as he is, he has a little bit of a lazy bone to him. Uh, I go back to the uh, 2020 season where obviously we had virtual OTAs. We had Zoom conference OTAs. And there's a very famous story that came out during the Super Bowl week that how he got away with doing his off-season training regimen is he essentially recorded himself doing sprints and workouts and all that one day. He recorded it one day and then kept reusing the same film to say, oh, yeah, I'm doing my workouts today. Oh, oh yeah, coach, come on. Come on. Don't you see me doing these workouts? That was Ron Gronkowski's 2020 off-season. So the fact that he's not back with the Buccaneers kind of could be a hint that he's just doing this to avoid OTAs and even potentially training camp. If you told me who's going to be the Tampa Bay week one starter at tight end, I think it's still going to be Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, and I completely agree. Like you said, he's got that little bit of a lazy bone in him. And, you know, he's going to be the guy like, ah, OTAs. I don't need OTAs. I'm Rob Gronkowski. You know, I can can get into the end zone anytime you need me to. So, Like, is he going to get in trouble with Tom because he's not there at OTAs? Is Tom not going to feed him the ball because, oh, Gronk, you miss OTAs. Sorry, I don't know if I could trust you. Come on, these guys have been playing together for years. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think Tom's going to care. He's like, I mean, this guy could do anything. So, I mean, he could skip a little bit of OTAs. Tom's like, I'm probably going to skip OTAs at this point. (laughs) There's very few things that, like, Rob Gronkowski won't do. He won't play for the Lions. He won't participate hard in the offseason. And he won't let down Tom Brady. Those guys are practically brothers. If you told me they were brothers, I would believe it. If Tom Brady Sr. got around and made a Rob Gronkowski, and that's the secret to why they're just tied at the hip. They have, like, those little twin keychains that you just link together like they found each other that would make a lot of sense to me albeit i I would very much doubt that because papa gronkowski he he raised some beast uh papa gronkowski uh he's got three nfl players to his name so clearly the seat is strong if your name is gronk yeah gronk will be back in tampa i have no concerns about that but hedging on this potential that he's not um cameron Brait, if he's the tight end starter in week one we know oj howard is gone what do you think about him? Uh, I don't think he's a bad tight end. I mean, he, he has some production a, a couple of years ago. I believe it was a 2019 season where he was, you know, on the field quite a bit with OJ Howard and he does some good numbers. So it's yeah, not like he's, he's better than Howard at points. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was even better at Howard's at points or Howard at points. I don't see why Cameron Brait couldn't be at least a solid tight end for Tampa Bay. Yeah, I, I think he's obviously not going to be one that you're going to be targeting in the higher right. rounds and the mid-tier rounds. But if you said that Cameron Brait was your week one starter in your fantasy line on that tight end, I don't hate it. There's worse tight ends you could do. Certainly worse tight ends you, that you could have that don't have Tom Brady throwing them the ball. So at least you have that. Yeah. <laughs> at least you have that. Uh, there was also the fun rumors that does Gronk maybe sign with Cincinnati or does he sign with uh, Buffalo? And this is back when we thought Tom Brady was gone. I would, I would have loved secretly to see him with Joey B. I, I think that that could have been like, Oh, they call Joey B the next coming to Tom Brady. Well, you know, th- why not just steal his tight end? But um, yeah, Gronk's going to be in Tampa. Uh, let, let's talk about these uh, former first rounders that um, moved on from their old homes are now going to be in another Jersey for the first time in their careers. No offense. Evan Ingram, OJ Howard, again, Fant with Seattle, Ingram with Jacksonville, Howard with Buffalo. Out of these three guys, whose second chance opportunity do you like the most? Honestly, I think I'm going to go with OJ Howard in Buffalo. Just because it's not for the fact that he's got the better quarterback. I, I just think that the whole offense as a whole and the coaching staff as a whole is more better than the situation in Denver and Jacksonville. I think it's a more stable team. 
and a more stable offense. So, well, you say that, but I mean, Urban Meyer's not in Jacksonville anymore. Doug Peterson's now in Jacksonville. And that's true. And Doug Peterson, when he was in Philadelphia, you think about Dallas Zach Goddard Ertz. was drafted there. Zach Ertz was drafted there. If I know nothing else about Dougie P and what he's going to bring to Jacksonville, I feel as though tight ends are going to be a little bit more involved. And you got to remember Buffalo, Dawson Knox is still in Buffalo. Dawson yeah. Knox was a tight end one last year. OJ Howard hasn't shown that he's necessarily able to do well in a tight end committee because we just mentioned it. Cameron Brait looked better than him at points. What I think could be a game changer for OJ Howard is actually not being a tight end. If they start using him more as a wide receiver, because he has the build as a wide receiver. That was what he was billed as yeah. uh, coming out of the draft. They're like first round talent. He's athletic. He could have been Kyle Pitts before Kyle Pitts, but it just never really panned out in Tampa. Obviously he had an ACL injury and, who knows if that's been the reason he hasn't really gotten back to where he was. Um, but I think just the fact that there's multiple tight ends in that tight end room in Buffalo. And certainly if you're Josh Allen, who do you trust more? Dawson Knox, a guy who you threw multiple touchdowns to the last two years or OJ Howard, the new guy. I, I think I'm leaning Evan Ingram. I, I think I've seen more from him, even when he was with the bad giants teams. Mm-hmm. And I think Dougie P is going to use him a little bit more. Noah Fant is the ultimate wild card just because at least him and Drew Locke have a rapport. Technically, they're both former Broncos now in Seattle. Yeah, and that's true. I just don't see the offense doing a whole lot besides Drew Locke being on the ground. <laughs> so. It's going to be very run first, bad offensive yeah. line. But again, I mentioned this with Drew Locke potentially having some value. They're going to be behind in a lot of games. Does a guy like Noah Fant get a little bit more targets because they're just having to throw the ball more? I can see that. But I mean, depending on what happens with DK and Tyler Locke, I mean, if those guys stay, they're most likely going to get the ball 90% of the game. <laughs> But that actually might be, again, to no offense benefit, right? The fact True. that we, we talked about it with the Raiders, you have Devontae and Hunter Renfro who take away it from be more open, Waller's yeah. attention. Yeah, so he might be able to get some extra coverage shifted away from him. And I think out of all three of those guys, I think Noah Fant has had the better NFL career to this point. Oh, I agree. I think he's got the better career. For me, it's just the offensive line that scares me quite a bit because it's like you, you got to be able to get the ball out quickly. And if you don't, well, number one, your face is in the dirt. Number two, you're going to make knowing Drew Locke and what he did with Denver this past season. And stuff, you know, he's doing some very, very poor balls that led to some very, very bad things. And, you know, him being to where he is now. So I don't think it's really the same Drew Locke that we all got excited about a couple of years ago when he's just chilling on a bench, rapping to music. And, you know, he's just out there vibing, making some great plays. It's not that same Drew Locke anymore. Rank them against each other. Fant, Ingram, Howard. How do you have them organized? Uh, Ingram one, uh, Howard two, Fant three. I think I'm going to just divvy it up. I think Ingram is going to be my one. I'm going to go Fant two, and then I'm going to go Howard three just because I think Knox is going to take away from him this offense. And we just have to see it from Howard first before I'll trust him. I I don't mind that. I I think that's a very reasonable standpoint, but I could, I could see, you know, like you said, he could be tossed as a wide receiver as a OG or for OG, Howard, he could be tossed as a receiver. And all these guys, I should add, I think all of them are still going to be low end tight end ones in value, just because the position is so weak. They were just going to look for names that we trust. Howard might be the one that, again, I worry about the most just because, again, is Dawson Knox going to be the guy or is Howard going to be the guy? But I, I think I would trust Knox a little bit more just because he has a rapport with Allen. You learned with us. You laughed with, you us. Laughed with us. Now it's time to do some deep thinking. Hashtag bust the slump with your weekly words of wisdom. All right, Drew, this is going to be your first taste of words of wisdom. This is just to kind of have something that we can grow together with. So I chose a quote by Muhammad Ali. You don't lose if you get knocked down. You lose if you stay down. And I think this is a great take for fantasy football because if you're one of those people that lose early in the season and you stay down, you piss off the rest of your league mates and no one wants to play with you again. So don't stay down. I don't care if it's fantasy football. I don't care if it's life. I don't care if it's work. I don't care if you're just playing uh, ping pong with your roommates. Don't stay down. Try and get better. Try to learn from your mistakes. I think that that is a good thing for us to consistently do in hu- as humans. And if you had a bad season of fantasy last year, I want you to bounce back. I want you to bounce back with us tuning into the Slump Buster podcast, tuning into this awesome advice. We just had a really awesome episode, or at least we hope you think it was an awesome episode. Drew, what do you think of that quote by the champion, Muhammad Ali? I mean, I like it a lot. 
it's a very true quote. You, you just can't stay down. You got to find a way to motivate yourself and get yourself back up. Like you said, it's very fitting for fantasy football. I've been in leagues where I started 0 and 4 and still came back and went to the playoffs and, you know, made it to the finals and, you know, stuff like that. So you can't just give up just because you start off 0 and 4. Make some trades, do a little bit of business, get yourself into the playoffs. Exactly. I think we sometimes hype up the draft so much. The draft is such a small part of actually winning a fantasy football league. Yeah, you'll get lucky with some people you pick up on draft day, but what's really going to save your season is what you do on the waiver wire. Yes. If you're 0-4, I've seen a team that went into the playoffs 6-7 and and won the fantasy championship. You just consistently keep making the right moves and you you can pull it off. You can pull off a late season comeback. But guys, we hope you come back to us. We hope you continue to come back. And that's why I'm asking you to hit that subscribe button, whether you're watching on YouTube, Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever it be, hit that subscribe button. Leave a like on this video if you are watching on YouTube. Leave a five star if you're listening on Spotify or Apple iTunes. Uh, check us out on social media at Slumpuster Podcast, on IG at Slumpuster Pod, on Twitter and TikTok. Uh, from Juju Talk Sports and Drew Hagaba, stay safe, happy, and healthy. And we will see you on the next one.